Good morning again, and I want to welcome those who are tuned in online. We're glad you're watching. We're glad you're tuned in online. Thank you for uh, following us, and what is that, live streaming, and God bless you. I know that for a fact uh, there are some folks uh, around the globe who are tuning in on a regular basis uh, from uh, Uganda in uh, Central Africa and uh, Philippines and a few other places around the globe. So we uh, we appreciate that. And then there's the folks that are local that are either uh, uh, grounded because of COVID or other reasons and they're not able to be here and they're watching online. Thank you for watching online. Uh, we believe that the Word of God is not hindered by space. Let's open our Bibles to John's Gospel, uh, chapter 13 today. Chapter 13 today. John's Gospel, chapter 13. Do y'all remember back in about July, somewhere in the middle or toward the end of July, the Lord gave us a word. Because I'd, asked, I'd inquired of the Lord and asked Him, Lord, what's our response? What's the church's response? What's the church's response to the COVID? What's the church's response to the, the, the distress that's in the atmosphere, that's in our nation? Uh, what is our response? And I was surprised by the, uh, the, the quickness of God's response. Have you ever been praying about things that just seems like you just can't hear? You know, it, and, and by the way, I believe we need to have more confidence in God's ability to speak than our ability to hear. We need to have more confidence in God's ability to speak than our ability to hear. Sometimes we think that we stop God's voice. We don't stop God's voice. God got your attention when you were a knucklehead. And for all you international people, that means stubborn. Uh, you know, when, when you weren't wanting to hear from God, you weren't tuning in to God, you had no desire, but God got your attention in that moment. Listen to me, God can get your attention. And so I like to think we should develop more confidence in God's ability to speak than our ability to hear. But you know how sometimes you'll be asking the Lord about things and it seems like it takes a while to get through or hear or something like that. I'd like to suggest to you that uh, I was surprised how quickly the Lord responded to me when I said, Lord, what's our responsibility? What is our response to this to the COVID-19 thing, to the riots that are going on in the cities. What's our response as a church? Well, you know, I don't need a revelation to know that we need to be praying. Anybody get to watch the prayer meeting on the mall yesterday in Washington, D.C.? Two great leaders uh, leading in prayer. Our nation needs prayer. There's no question about that. But what's our response? See, for me... This all seems to boil down, comes down to my responsibility, where I am living. I'm not going to do anything about what's going on in Wisconsin other than pray about it. I don't live there. You're not going to do anything about it. You don't live there. I'm not going to do anything about what's going on in Portland, Oregon. I don't live there. There's people that live there. There's Christians that live there, and it's their responsibility. But what's my responsibility? What's our responsibility as life changers? You'll recall the Lord spoke to me three words. Number one, we're to walk in love. We're to walk, we're to make sure that I, I am to make sure that I walk in love. So if I'm watching TV and I'm seeing things I don't like, 
I got to make sure my heart is guarded and I don't make judgments. I got to guard my heart because my heart is to be guided by the love of God. So I got to walk in love. And you know, most of the time I walk in love just fine. Usually the only time I struggle in walking in love is when somebody else is not walking in love. Uh, did you hear me? But I got to make sure my responses are governed by the love of God. You know, I'm not responsible for, for other people's uh, improper or inappropriate behavior or language. It's not my behavior, it's not my language. But I am responsible for my response. And I think there's some stuff going on in the nation right now, in the media in particular, that's designed to provoke. It's designed to present worst-case scenario, bad news all the time. It's designed to persuade for election purposes right now. i got to guard my heart. I have to guard my heart. And consequently, I need to listen to what's coming out of my mouth. Because if I don't listen to what I'm saying, it will tell me what's happening in my heart. You guys know the verse, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will announce it to whoever will listen. Loose paraphrase. But you know, I've got to guard my heart. I, I don't want to get stuck here because I'm going somewhere. So walk in love. And then number two, the Holy Spirit said, you make sure you make it your conscience awareness to walk in my presence. So that wherever you go, I go with you. And you know, in, the, in that sermon we did, we talked about the dove. How you want to walk as if the dove is on your shoulder. You don't want to do things that would spook the dove and make him fly. You want to walk in harmony with the presence of God. Which means I got to guard myself. No sudden movements. Don't get mad and have a wall-eyed pit. You know, I have found out getting mad and having a wall-eyed pit will absolutely hinder the presence of God. Now, he's great to forgive, but sometimes, because uh, I was an angry man, I know a little bit about this. Notice I said past tense. I know a little bit about this. I know that I could do more damage in a moment of anger than I could recover in months, especially relationship damage. I could do a, a, you know, a, a enough damage in a moment of aggravation, frustration, mouthiness, then that, that I, I couldn't fix it. You know, I've actually had that experience where as soon as it got out of my mouth, I was wishing there was some way I could get an intervention to those words before they got to the ear of the hearer. I wasn't able to do it. And so then I had to do damage control. Have you ever had to do damage control? Do you like damage control? I don't like damage control. So I want to grow as a Christian in the love of God because in the love of God, you can talk about hard things without damaging people. 
that was a place for an amen, just, just in case you're wondering. In the love of God, you can talk about difficult, uncomfortable things without causing damage to your partner or your friend in the love of God. Now you have to work at it. I would say it doesn't come natural. It comes supernatural. And it comes with training, and it comes with education, and it comes with a teachable heart. It comes with an openness. It comes with you taking responsibility for you. You know, the one person I don't want to be responsible for most often is me. Especially when I'm not having a good day. I don't think we should ever have a bad day. I think a bad day is a choice away. Now, I have some, but it shouldn't. Uh, Y'all aren't shouting too loud this morning. (laughs) Walking in the love of God. Walking in the presence of God is very, very important. And so that wherever you go, you bear, you bear, you bear the transforming presence of Jesus Christ because you are his disciple, because you are born again, because you're filled with the Holy Spirit, because God lives in you, that where you go, in your work, in your service, in your community, to the grocery store, that where you go, the Holy Spirit is going with you. You bear in your flesh the presence of the living God. And finally, walking in the power of God. What do you mean? Well, let me tell you what happened Wednesday morning. So I know I'm going to have an eight or nine hour drive to get home, which turned into 12. And so I decided, being a bold, modern pastor that I am, I would just dress for the trip as we went to the final session. So I had on my cutoffs, my driving shirt, my tennis shoes, I wasn't dressed for church. I was dressed for driving. So I'm sitting there minding my own business, and Pastor Jerry, my friend Pastor Jerry Edmund, they get out, they got praying for people. So he said, Ted, what are you sitting there for? He said, I'm not dressed for work. He said, you get up here. <laughs> and so in the prayer line, you know, I was praying by myself. Usually we pray with teams, but I was praying by myself. I don't know, three or four people were healed. It was just wonderful. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. It reminded me once again that God is not offended by cutoffs. (laughs) (laughs) Walking in the power of God. See, I think everywhere you go, I think everywhere you go, because you're a life changer. See, I take that name serious. You're a life changer. I believe, I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care what kind of craziness is in your family. I don't care what kind of pressure you're under. I don't care. I don't care about that stuff. I think if you can, if you can get a grip on it, you'll realize that wherever you go, you carry something greater than you. You carry somebody greater than you. His name is the Holy Ghost. Going old time now. His name is the Holy Spirit. And you carry, He is in you. He is in you. He is upon you. He will work through you if you'll give Him a chance. 
that we walk in love. And good grief, let's walk in love with our families. You know, Jesus told the 12, you guys, what you're going to do, you're going to do in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts. Forget uttermost part if you can't love mama. If you can't be patient with your kids, don't tell me you're called to somewhere. You're called to go home and act like Jesus. And if you're going to go home and act like Jesus, you're going to figure out how to talk about hard things without being a, being a mess, without having to be mad, without having to be passive-aggressive, without having to be, well, just passive. Go hide. Never talk about the hard stuff. That's not God. It happens every time I go away, I come back preaching like this. Oh, you guys. Walk in love. Walk in presence. Walk in power. Now, John 13, Kenny. John 13. I want to set the context here. So Jesus is having the Last Supper are instituting the Last Supper, and he's with the disciples, and, uh, and he calls Judas and tells him to go do what he's going to do. That's up there in the previous verses. And so Judas leaves, and everybody thought Jesus had instructed him to go give alms to the poor because Judas was the carrier of the purse, and he did that frequently. Jesus would have them give alms. And so, but on this occasion, Judas was going to betray Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. So Judas was going to betray Jesus, and out of that context, it's important to hear this, I think. Out of that context, this next verse, verse uh, 31. So when he had gone out, that's Judas. Judas had gone out. Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. The betrayal was happening. Understand, for, for the glory of God to be seen, the betrayal had to happen. Let that sink in. Okay? And if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and, glor and glorify him immediately. Do you know what I think this is? Now, Jesus is talking, of course, but I think this is healthy self-talk. Huh? The man just left to betray Jesus. Jesus was a human being. He had to have feelings about that. He had to have thoughts about that. He did. So what's he saying? He's now saying, all right, it started. The glory of God is going to be revealed now. Jesus had some emotional moments in this crucifixion business. You remember that? Sweat as great drops of blood in the garden. That's coming up here shortly. But in this moment, he says this, Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot go. And now I, pray, I say to you, a new commandment. Everybody say a new commandment. Now he's talking to a bunch of Jews. They all live by the law. All they know are rules. You understand? Even the 12. Even the 12 in the crowds. All they know is how to keep the law. The Jewish religion, that's what they know. 
They're taught, the men are taught to memorize the Torah from being as a young child. They're taught what are the, the big ten, which were not suggestions or commandments. They were taught the feasts. They were taught the holidays. They were taught the things of, of godly worship before Jesus. The things of the law. They were taught these things. And now Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. I don't know why the Lord stirred this in my heart so. Notice it doesn't say in this passage, love the sinner. Jesus is talking to the 12. Guys, we need to love one another. We need to love one another in the house. We need to love one another. We need to love one another. That means we need to act like we love one another. We need to speak like we love one another. We need to be aware that the commandment of Jesus is that we love one another. It's not to abstain from meat. It's not, you know, it's not all these rules and laws and things. That we love one another. Love one another. And love looks like something. Doesn't it? Now, love is not always warm and fuzzy. Because love also means telling each other the truth. But if you build a relationship the right kind of way, you can talk about hard stuff easier than when you don't build a relationship. You know, it takes time to learn to trust each other. Trust is really a gift. You get married, there's a, there's a measure of grace and trust happens even though you don't know come here from Sikkim. I mean, really, hello? You know, but, but it, it's a gift. It, it, it's a grace that's given. And listen, when it's violated, when it's violated, forgiveness can be given, but trust has to be earned. And this is true in relationships, you guys. That's why you don't make promises you don't keep your word to. You keep your word. You don't, you know, when my kids were growing up, David and James, I, uh, uh, I, I made it a point not to promise them things I couldn't do. And if I had made a promise and we couldn't do it, you know, we were on vacation one time and Patty Buckner's mother died. And we had to suspend vacation so I could come home and do the funeral. Well, that had to be a conversation with my sons about why we were abandoning the boat in the lake. But I did that stuff. I still do that stuff. Because I want them to trust my word, my promise. And so I think sometimes we make promises casually. And we think there's no consequences. But it's not true, you guys. It is not love to break your word. Oh, I make a promise just to calm you down right now, but I have no intention of keeping it. Or perhaps I make the promise, but I have every intention to keep it, but then I forget. And I neglect it. That violation of trust impacts relationships in a way that's hard to heal. It's just hard to heal. Now, you can be healed, but it takes both, all parties. So we're going to walk in love. 
That's why you don't hear me promise a lot of stuff from the pulpit except what the Word promises. You know, I can't do God's stuff except when God's doing it through me. Thank God He does do some things through me. I'm happy about that. But a new commandment I'm going to give you, and that is that you love one another as I have loved you. Now think about that. I was thinking about this. These guys are walking with him. They're finishing the Lord's table. He's given them, given them instruction about that. The, Judas is now leaving to go sell a betrayal of Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And that's just happened. And when that happens, Jesus says all this stuff about glorifying the Son. He's reminding himself of what's about to happen in front of him. He's encouraging himself in the Lord, if you please. He's reminding himself of that. And he, he finishes that by looking at the 11 that are left. And he says, guys, I'm giving you a new commandment. I want you to love one another as I've loved you. That you also love one another. That's the word agape. Love. Love. Self-sacrificing. Putting you first. You know, when you love somebody, you prefer them. You sacrifice your own will to serve them. Now, having said that, Jesus is also the leader. You know, he didn't hesitate to correct Peter and, and, uh, uh, and the boys, did he? He jerked slack out when he needed to. But they knew he loved them. You know, I found out with kids, that if your kids know you really love them and you act like it and you do what you do to love them and you demonstrate love, you can, in a godly way, jerk slack out. And most of the time, they can receive it. You know, we come to church, guys, we gather. And some of us don't really know each other very well. Because we don't spend other time together. We don't do a small group together. We don't serve together. We just kind of see each other on Sundays. And, and uh, hey, we can all be good for an hour and a half. I mean, I mean can't we? Well, we can all do good for an hour and a half. And so, uh, you know, especially when I'm doing most of the talking and y'all are, you know, just sort of listening. But verse 35, let's continue. By this, by this what? That you love one another. All will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, one of the great facts of, of Christianity is that if you love the brethren, it shouts to the lost and the world that you've been with Jesus. But if we're out and a conversation comes up and we're backbiting, putting down, critiquing, criticizing, that critical thing is above my pay grade. And by the way, in case you don't know it, it's above your pay grade. That critical thing. Well, I just, you know, I really hate it when it's shared in the skies of a prayer request.
So I'm going to tell you to pray for Brian because Brian's a skunk. He's out of control. You should see what he does to Reba. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you ought to. If you was outside their door and you heard them. Listen, guys, we got to guard our hearts. And if we guard our hearts, we're going to guard our mouth. You know, because, because it's important that we love one another and we act like it. That I don't come to church, hug you next day, I love you, brother, I love you, brother, and then I get out in the car and talk to my man. Boy, you can't depend on them for anything. It's important that we love one another. It's important that we do it on purpose. And we think about it. I tell you, it's important. You're listening to me out there in the internet world. It's important that we love one another. Oh, by the way, I wanted to say to some of you that are watching online, if you want to come to the men's retreat, guys, hey, listen, just contact somebody around here. Now, if you're in uh, Africa, we're not flying you in. <laughs> or Phil, I wish we had the money. I'd be glad to do it if we had the money. But the point is, if you're a local and you're somewhere in the area and you'd like to join us on the weekend, if you'll call the church or you'll make contact with somebody, we'll, we'll figure something out. I mean, really, we'd love for you to be able to come, guys. It'll be great. So because they loved one another, it was evident then they were Jesus' disciples. So I thought, what time is it? I don't have time to do this. I thought, everybody make a note, make a note. Go home this afternoon and read 1 Corinthians 13. What is that going to tell me, Pastor? Well, if you'll read it in a modern translation, it's going to tell you what love looks like. It's going to tell you some things that love doesn't look like, and it's going to tell you some things that love does look like. You know? And one of the first fun things it tells us, we got time, I'm going to do this. Okay. <laughs> Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or clanking cymbal. If you don't walk in love, you can speak in tongues till the cows come home, and you're just making noise. Now, I think speaking in tongues is important. Now, I think we need to be praying in the Spirit a lot. But there's something that happens when you're not walking in love and you're praying in the Holy Ghost. Shondai, 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 and then I'm talking ugly about you. There's a problem with that. There's a conflict in your soul with that stuff. Do you understand? And you will receive nothing from God. Oops. This, 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 pretense of spirituality for the outward appearance of it. There's a problem with that. We need to get a grip. Though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, all knowledge. Well, I could preach on this and it'd be a good sermon. Though I have all faith so that I could remove a mountain, but have not love, I am nothing. Go home and read it this afternoon. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 13. It'll tell you what love looks like. It'll tell you what love does not look like. Now, guys, can I say this? None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. We all fail. That's why repentance should be a way of life. Not so you're depressed and feeling bad like you're a failure or something. No, no, no. No, it's the way of the cross. 
The thing about living sacrifices is they crawl off the altar. And the thing about, I have to reckon myself dead to the flesh and to the world every day. There's an enemy out there trying to seduce you and draw you away from the Lord Jesus to lead you out of the kingdom of light into the kingdom of darkness. There is an enemy, and it has a whole lot to do with whether you decide to walk in love or not. Oh, pastor, I failed at it so bad. Well, join the hay. You're welcome to the real world. So what do we do? We learn. We grow. We repent a lot. We thank God for his mercy and grace. Steve Thomas and I were having a conversation this morning. I said, man, it is a good thing that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. I'm really thankful. Because if I had to qualify and requalify, I'm, you know, the way I requalify is I repent a lot. Oh, you guys, I love you. Listen, Jesus has just been betrayed. He knows what Judas is doing. The text says everybody else thought he was going to give alms to the poor. But Jesus knew what he was doing. He'd just been betrayed. And out of that betrayal, he does some healthy self-talk about glorifying God through his life. And then from there he goes to, listen guys, I'm giving you a new commandment. Walk in love. Judas was not loving Jesus with the betrayal. You understand? Judas was not loving Jesus with the betrayal. But out of the pain of that betrayal comes forth this incredible word from Jesus Christ. Love one another as I have loved you. And if you'll do that, the world, those on the outside watching you, will know that you are my disciple. Hallelujah. All you guys that are tuning in on the internet, will you say the Lord bless you and the Lord give you peace.